Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. This is what I want to do. We are in the book of Hebrews. We've been going through it, and we today are going to go to Hebrews chapter 8. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Hebrews 8. We'll, we'll turn there in just a moment. By round of applause, how many here are married? Dude, if you're single, I'm sorry. That's a lot of married people. Wow. Wow, we have to get some more single people. Um, we actually have a group that's probably starting in the fall for singles specifically. Um, but one of the things that I did, and, and how many wives or spouse, whoever proposed, do you remember the proposal? Do you remember it? Do you remember it? Was it just, just dreamy and everything? I see no hands. <laughs> All right. Mine was like bittersweet, okay? And uh, this week, uh, we were celebrating... My in-laws, and they're in here, I'm going to embarrass them for just a moment, but my, uh, my wife's parents, Butch and Ann Brubaker, um, are, are you in here? Would you just wave if you're in here? It's my mom. 50 years of marriage yesterday. Come on, man. <clears throat> Tell you what, that's an example right there of commitment and covenant and all of that. And uh, I just want to say, when I asked my wife to marry uh, me, two things happened. One, I went to my, my in-laws and I said, hey, I, I would love to ask, you know, for your daughter's hand in marriage. And my father-in-law can be quite intimidating. I was a little scared. And he said, yeah, of course. I'm like, phew. But then my mother-in-law got up and she just danced around. She said, this is what you're getting. All right. So, um, and, and I'm blessed to have my wife. But here's what happened that day. Okay. So I had it all planned out and I thought, I'm going to make this just the greatest story ever that we're going to talk about for years. Well, it didn't turn out like that. Um, I took her down the Apple River. And so we were floating down the Apple River and, you know, like drunk fest Apple River. I don't know why I chose that. But here we are in the tube going down. You know, we're just da-da-da in love, whatever. It didn't matter. And and, uh, we got just completely sunburnt. And then we went back to her parents' house in Andover and went there and switched clothes. And my idea was I'm going to take her to Bunker Regional Park, and I'm going to ask for her hand in marriage. Come on, Bunker. Yeah, baby. And uh, so I go to Bunker, and I have the ring with me and everything. I'm going to grill this, like, beautiful meal. One of my passions is cooking. And so I've got, like, the charcoal. I've got the, you know, the shrimp on the bobby, everything just ready to go. And we get out there, and I have this ring. And guys, if you're getting ready to propose, can I just make a recommendation? When you put the ring in your pocket, take it out of the box. Just going to say, okay? You'll get it. And, uh... Here, seriously, right in the side pocket, you could just see like this giant wart or something, you know, and, and uh, I, she knew what was coming, and so we get into the little pavilion, and I got the little Smoky Joe ready to go, you know, and I put the charcoal in, how many have been here before, and you go to light the charcoal, and it doesn't light, you know, and I'm like, what? And so what would any good guy who's about to ask, you know, his girlfriend in marriage, what would you do? you would leave her there and go to the store and get new charcoal, right? That's what I did. I'm not, it's not a joke. That's truth. And so I take off. I, I said, Heather, I'll be right back, babe. I'll be right back. I got to go to SA or something and, and find some charcoal. This one's like not lighting for some reason. I go and get matchlit charcoal. I get it. Works out fine. She's just sitting there, you know, for like an hour. Wow, I'm, I'm in love with this guy. <laughs> All right. And I get back. I, I light it. And so far, it's been like disaster. I walk up, you know, Mr bulge, being careful where I say bulge, bulge, right here, and I, and I kneel down, 
And, and I said, and she just, she was smiling, just the most beautiful smile in the world, and her bright green eyes, and, and uh, I, I took out a water basin. Now, this is where it gets better, okay? I took out a water basin, and I filled it with water with a pitcher, and I had, you know, these real nice soaps from Bath and Body Works, oh yeah, and, and I filled it, and I washed her feet, and I said to her, I said, I want to serve you the rest of my life. Would you allow me that privilege? Would you marry me? She said, yeah. Here's what I want to talk about today. I believe that the moment that happened, our relationship changed, my wife and I. Um, we were, you know, my fiance at that time, we were, you know, she was my fiance for a year before we got married. And it started turning the relationship. It went from friends to dating, and every part of that relationship was new. And then fiance, it was something new. We got married, oh yeah, there's a lot of new, if you know what I mean. Come on. Oh, come on. We have five kids, we've had sex, join the club, all right? And uh, I'm just being real, man. It's how it works, okay? And uh, here's the deal. I believe firmly that God wants to do something new, okay? I, I believe he wants to do something new. And when we look at scripture, he's always creating. He's always doing new things. He's always changing things. There's no one that creates more than God the creator. Would you agree with that? He's the one that creates all the time. And so what I love is that the way that this is presented here by the author of Hebrews is just incredible. And so if you have a Bible, open up with me to Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to read verses 7 through 13. If you don't have one, that's okay. We'll put it up on the screen for you. Here we go. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people. And he said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Come on, are you excited? I'm excited about it. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all, they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their sins or wickedness, and will remember their wickedness or sins no more. By calling this covenant, what? New. Everybody say new. Come on. All right. He has made the first one obsolete. What? It's gone. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Okay, I'm kind of excited about this, and here's why. I'm a Bible nerd, okay? I, I, love, I love the Bible, and so I, today, for special, what I want to do is I want to give you three messages in one, okay? So we're going to have three messages. Don't worry, it won't be long, okay? Don't worry. We'll, we'll only be here till Tuesday. It's all good. I have three messages basically just a few minutes on each, okay? And so I want to break this down into three different parts because this is so powerful and I want you to see what is shared here. We've been in Hebrews up to this point and we get right to this point and the author says, 
Time out, he says, we've talked about the supremacy of Christ. We've talked about who Jesus is, how he has supreme authority over all. And then, he, you know, we have the squirrel moment where he says, hey, whoa, 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 got to get with it. We've got to learn what he's talking about. By that time, we know what the old covenant is. We know what the new covenant, the old covenant's all the laws, all of the festivals, everything that points to Jesus. And now he's saying there's this new covenant that points at Jesus of who Jesus is. And that is the new covenant, not only fulfilled in law, but making all of the rest of it completely what? Obsolete. Obsolete. It's crazy. For those that, that like religious things, and like, I need to make sure I do this, or I need to make sure I do that, or this, this just blows that away completely because of the grace of God, because of the love of God, the Father, who sent His one and only Son. This is what it's about right here. I love this. And so the first part is the scriptural study, okay? Or, or the scriptural application. Here's message number one, all right? Scriptural application. So far throughout the entire book of Hebrews, it's been focused on Jesus Christ having the rule and reign and authority. That's been the main theme from chapter one to really about chapter five and a half, chapter six, Chapter 7 talked about eating the meat of the message, not just the milk. And here we find ourselves in chapter 8, and he turns it and saying, you know what? There's a new covenant. This is really cool. And he's going, got to listen to this. And so this new covenant is a promise, all right? You, you've heard me say this before, but would you imagine when Heather and I got married, if we're up at the altar and we say, hey, we commit to each other, and we make a covenant, you know, my in-laws are celebrating their covenant of 50 years a covenant is a promise onto each other that says, I'm going to be committed to you no matter how weird you look when you get old. That's what it means. It's true. Okay? I don't care how much weight you lose, how much weight you gain. I don't care, you know, if you, if you smell bad, if you, you know, whatever happens to you. If you get hair, I have like one hair that grows out of my forehead. And my wife still loves me. I don't, that's like unicorn hair. I don't know where it came from. It's weird, all right? You'll never see it because I plucked that sucker, all right? But here's the deal. She loves me. It's a covenant that we entered in. And so what God is saying is he wants this new covenant because the old one, it just wasn't working. It, it wasn't working. And so a covenant is this promise between two people. You know, and I used to hear someone say, well, marriage covenant, that's, you know, 50-50, right? You know, you got to be 50-50. No, no, it's 100-100. You got to be in it 100-100 for a marriage to work. And there's very few reasons for divorce biblically. Now, the new covenant means this. It all new covenant means is a better way. So if you're going, I don't know what covenant really means, think of it as a better promise between God and us. He's saying the old one, yeah, it worked for a time, but it really, it wasn't accomplishing it. Everybody was following the letter of the law and trying to do everything just right, and God's going, I don't care about that. I want the people's heart. You know, he even, like God gets really ticked at the religious people throughout the Bible. He gets so mad at them in the Old Testament that he says, thanks a lot, you guys. You're celebrating all these festivals. You're doing all these things. You're doing it just right but you have no heart in any of it. And so if we look like a Christian Sunday morning, we leave here and we don't, God doesn't care what we look like right now. He could care less. And he's going, hey, how does it look from Monday through Saturday? You know, if we change who we are the moment we leave here, then who we are here is a lie. And God's saying he wants really who we are. He wants to have that covenant, that promise with us. If you agree with me, say, yeah. All right, so the old covenant's not good enough. God looked at it and he goes, I love my people so much that this covenant, it sucks. Kick it out. Bye-bye. Seriously, he was so mad at it. He's going, we need a new one, a better way. And so the law, he realized, it made nothing perfect. Well, if the law made nothing perfect, does Jesus? Yeah. He makes all things new. All of it. 
And so Jeremiah 31, just scriptural nerdy out, nerdiness here for a moment. Jeremiah 31 is the love chapter in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, the prophet. All of that is actually recited right here in Hebrews chapter 8. Whoever the author was took that from Jeremiah and he wanted us to know that because at the beginning of Jeremiah and at the end of Jeremiah, it talked about the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of Israel. And right in between it said, but the reason I'm doing that is because I love my people and I want them. You know, sometimes we think, well, the God of the Old Testament, he's mean and grumpy and angry. You've got to look at the motivation of why. It's because he was jealous for his people. He wanted his people to be with him. He's jealous for you. He's jealous for me. And so Christ fulfilled the law. We read about that in the Gospels. And he made the old promise obsolete. doesn't matter anymore. It's gone. Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law. And so his death makes sacrifices obsolete. It does, you know, it basically be like, well, why are you even bothering? Because remember when the author wrote this, they were still doing this. This was written to Jewish Christians. And so for us, we're like, well, yeah, we don't, we don't come in. We don't make sacrifices on the altar. But to the Jew at this time who had said yes to Jesus Christ, they're going, oh, I get it. Like Jesus Christ is that final sacrifice. I don't have to pay for it. I don't, I don't have to deal with those money changer crazy people. I can just come here and God loves me just the way I am. Wow, that's a new promise. That's a better promise. That's something I can believe in. And so you had this whole transformation of what Christianity was right here. The new covenant focuses directly on the heart and the individual faith rather than an external action. It's not about an external action. You know, we read about the Pharisees in the New Testament. It says, well, we, we pray and we fast and then Jesus is out and he's, you know, he's picking fruit and he's going through the vineyard on the Sabbath and he's healing on the Sabbath and the Pharisees every time. You can't do that, the law. You can't do that, the law. You can't do that, the law. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. You don't get it. It's not about the law. It's about a covenant. It's about a covenant. And so this completely changes all of that. God desperately, desperately, desperately wants relationship with us. And this new way finally provides a new way to do that. The only way, this is the close of the first message, the only way to have relationship with God is through his son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You will not get to eternal life any other way. Can I hear an amen this morning? All right, message number two, here we go. Personal application, personal. So we talked about scripture. We got nerdy and I love it. I love my book. I love my Bible. It's fun. 66 books, man. If you're Catholic, there's more. All right. Um, Number two, personal application is this. What does this mean for us? We talk about the new covenant. Here it is. We realize that Jesus has fulfilled that law. God wants to do something new with the covenant. He wants relationship, you know, for us scripturally. But second, he wants that personally with you. I firmly believe prophetically called whatever you want. I I believe this with all of my heart, with all my spirit, with all of my being for at least one person here this morning. At least one person, I believe God wants to do something completely new in your life. Completely new. Like completely changed, completely different. I firmly believe, and this isn't for everybody this morning. Some of you, you might check out. That's okay. But somebody needs to hear this right now because God wants to do something amazing in your life. And please, dear God, do not miss this. Do not miss this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul writes this. Check this out. He says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. That's why we were created. Yes, we're to be with Jesus, but if it's just that, well, that faith without action, man, it's dead. 
You got to have both. There's both. For we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Ready for this, man? This just blows my mind. One of those moments. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. You don't even know yet. I don't care if you're five years old or you're 500. You know, there's still stuff ahead of you that if you're alive, guess what? There's a good chance that God wants to do something new in your life. Anyone like hip-hop here other than me and Angie, Bray? Okay, a few, few, few of us like good music. Um, the, uh, one of my favorite Christian hip-hop artists is Lecrae. And uh, if, you don't, if, if you're looking for good hip-hop music, Lecrae Man is great. And Lecrae, what I like about him so much is he, he talks about his life. Every song talks about um, what he's going to do with his life, how he's going to serve Christ. And one of the, the raps he has a little older is called, I Don't Want to Waste My Life. I love it. Some of you are singing it in your head right now if you know it. But I believe firmly that we're not called to waste our life. I don't want us just to be status quo, laissez-faire, just sitting around going, this is it, man. I'm, I'm good. Realize that God has something new for you. And don't just realize it. Like, I just, I like, I want to go through every single one of us right now and just take you by the head and go, come on, man, come on. Get this. Like, just, if you get any of this, get this, okay? Be okay with new be okay. And new, you can interchange those words between new and change. Because we all love change, right? We all, we all love when things change. No, man, some of us love our comfort zone. Don't mess with it, all right? I used to be comfortable with my comfort zone. I live for change. I live for new. I live for what God is doing now, not what God did then. Do you? It's a new covenant versus an old covenant. What are you living for? So, so be okay with new. Now, I play guitar because there's no one else today. That's why, okay? Um, so if you play guitar, please, we, we would love to have you part of the team. Um, I started learning guitar about 20 years ago. And one of my mentors who taught me how to play guitar, and I can play a few chords, that's about it. If you ever see me with that red thing, that's a capo. That means I cheat. And so I can just play the same key, and I can just put it up the ladder. So I'm really not that good. It's just, it's fun, all right? So it's a little secret, our secret. But here's the deal. When I learned, I would start playing, and I, I kind of got to a place where I, I couldn't really learn anything else, and I had a friend of mine, a pastor, a mentor, and he said to me, every time you pick up a guitar, play something that's uncomfortable or you're not good at, every single time. He said, do something new, because if you do that, you will continue to learn and expand what you already know. Otherwise, what happens? We get stuck in what we know, you know? We get stuck in those riffs that we like or the chord progressions we know, and so it was a challenge and let me say this, what you have to do, because I, I, I want you so to get this this morning, please hear my heart, you've got to be willing to surrender who you are for what you could become. If you're not willing to surrender who you are, you'll never become who you're meant to be. So be okay with surrender. And then what happens is when you go after new things, you know, let's say maybe it's, maybe it's a, a business idea, maybe it's ministry, maybe it's you know, we have, we've had two people take a risk on our church. We've had our, our children's director and our new associate pastor. They've taken a risk on coming to St. Francis, now in the area, and saying, yeah, I want to serve and be a part of it. You know what? I'm guessing not everywhere was that popular opinion for their friends and family. And so what happens is when we do something new and we start to change, there's pushback, isn't there? A lot of times from, from people, from the enemy, from our own flesh. And we've got to realize that during that time, we have to do a couple things to be okay with that new that's coming our way. First, remain upbeat when you feel like you're getting beat up, okay? You gotta just remain. 
Know who you are in Christ. Remain upbeat, man. You feel like you're broken down? If I can pause for one second. One of the, one of the spiritual atmospheres that I see within our community, and if you don't agree with me, let me know, but I see our community a lot of times where people, it's really easy for us to have anxiety or we let depression get in there. It's really easy. Many people I talk to say, man, I'm dealing with that. And, I, you know, sometimes it's a whole community where there's a stronghold on it. I believe there is one here. And I think that's where you have to remain. Not, it's not self-confidence. It's not self-belief. It's God-confidence and God-belief. And know that he can do anything with that, okay? I'd be lying if I said I haven't struggled with that from time to time. And so be open with God. Be transparent with him so that he can change you, okay? Surrender. Second is see solutions in every problem, not problems in every solution. How, how many know those people? Okay? Don't, don't hang out with those people. See, stay with people that see solutions in every problem, not problems in every solution. Our whole staff, man, we green light, we think, we brainstorm. You know, we're changing a bunch of stuff this year, which I'll share about in just a minute. But then believe in who you are in Christ even when others say you failed. Even when others say you failed. You didn't fail, you just learned a way not to do it. Okay, that's all it is. Hold on to hope when others say it's hopeless and then expect the best in everything, not the worst. How many of you are that, that person that you're just like thinking the worst thing that could possibly happen? Come on, that's some of us. We know it. All right? What if we expected the best? God expected the best with the old covenant. Didn't work out, but he had a plan in place. He knew that all throughout history what that plan would be. And then the last thing is this, desire to be teachable. I have a book by Matthew Keller, and he writes in this book, uh, it's, it's titled The Key to Everything. Kind of an arrogant title right? Let me write to you about the key to everything. Well, what he really talks about within the book is he says the key to everything is remaining teachable, remaining open to whatever God wants. Are you teachable to what God wants to teach you today? Are you, are you teachable? Are you open to him? Are you like, no, man, I'm just, I'm just coming. I'm just, I want to do my time. I want to get, no, be open to what he wants to do, man. He'll transform your entire life. See, what happens is when you change your entire belief structure, you change what you do. And so be okay with change. Be okay with the new things. I, and let me just say this. We're, we're on the second message here. Some of you here today, this morning, let me be real, real with you. Some of you here this morning, you don't realize your own potential. Some of you have sold yourself so far short and I see it. Oh my gosh, do I see it. The potential in every single person in this room is incredible. You have a God-given purpose. Every person does. God does not create junk. God creates beings in his image. Men and women in his image to be like him. You know, just this week, I, I met with a couple people, and I heard stories, some saying, man, I, I gave my life to Christ just a little bit ago. I spent time in prison, and I was addicted to drugs. I've been doing this, and they're okay with change. They're okay with learning that. They're going, I want to live my potential. I want to figure this out. Man, that blesses me. That so blesses me to see that. I believe that there are books within this room that you're supposed to write. You haven't written yet. I believe there. There are leaders within this room who have yet to lead in your capacity. I believe there's a place in heaven 
for a person in this room who has yet to say yes to Jesus Christ today. I believe there are family trees in this room dying to be changed and transformed by the power of the cross. I believe there are teachers in this room who have yet to teach. I believe there are Christians in this room who still haven't learned to just be. Great at the works part. Just learning to have an intimate walk with the living creator. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. There are dreams in this room that you don't even think can happen. I'll tell you something today. They can. Make it a goal. God, put that in you for some reason. I don't care how weird it sounds or how strange it thinks, man. God has made you and he's put that stuff in you, that stuff you dream about, that stuff you think about, that stuff that you tell yourself will never happen is what he wants to do. Be okay with that next step. There are pastors in this room. You ready for this one? This is going to scare you. There are pastors in this room with churches to lead and plant. Firmly believe that. And then through all of this, something I struggle with is you've got to learn that balance between being content with where you're at. Be, be okay with that. Know that God's doing something right there, but don't ever settle. Allow God to transform you into what he wants you to be and where he wants you to be at. With him, what you do, both. Let me just say this last point in this second message. Jesus did not die to keep you safe. It's not why he died, Okay. We think about that in our American culture. He didn't die to make us safe or keep us safe. He died to make you dangerous. And here's what I mean by that. When you start living your potential, your God-given purpose, no one can mess with that. You are dangerous to the enemy. You're dangerous to this world. You start depopulating hell. You start doing things that you can't do on your own. It's only through the power of God. That's it. All right, number three, third message of the day. Here we go. Everybody say number three. Here we go. About the church. You are the church, okay? Not me and the pastors, not, not the staff. You are the church, not the walls, not the, the cool guy back there going like that with the heart thing. That, he's not the church. You're the church, okay? Not, not Sunday service. Service is not the church. You are the church 24-7. All of us, we're the church, okay? And so where we go, the church goes. Who we talk to, the church talks to. How you operate, the church operates. What you post, the church posts. What you say, the church says. Who people think Jesus is, is because of our demonstration of him. And are, are we willing to say, yes, Monday through Sunday, imitate me as a follower of Christ, and it'll be a great representation of the church. I pray that for all of us. Have we arrived? No, we'll never arrive. Okay, I just, I said sucks in church just a few minutes ago. I probably shouldn't do that, okay? Don't say sucks from the pulpit, all right? I won't say sucks again today. All right, so what I want to do, though, is this. We have to think as a church, God is doing something new. Do you realize God's doing something new? Do you realize how different our church looks today than it did a year ago? Yeah, I want you to see this, man. I'm kind of excited. I don't know if you can tell. But God is doing something really cool, and it's because of you. He's doing it in you. Not doing it through our staff. Did you notice last year how we had this incredible Christmas service out of nowhere at the Woodbury Park? We had the, you know, we had Santa there. We had, you know, the, the fire department there. We had the high school choir there. It just happened. It was a God thing, you know? That's what happens when we obey him and we do something new and we're okay with that, all right? Second Chronicles chapter 2. David builds a palace that he lived in, and then his son Solomon 
builds this temple. And this is what he says about his temple. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 9. He said, because the temple I build must be large and magnificent. It's the last part of the verse. And he's talking about how he wants to honor God with how the church looks, or back then the temple. I want us to honor God with how we look as a church. I want us to honor God. I want us to give everything we possibly can to be completely sold out for the mission, to be life-giving, and the vision of this church to connect people with eternity. I want us to be so sold out on that that we realize it's not about us. We realize, you know, the chair next to you, if there's an empty chair next to you, that represents somebody coming to Christ. The new covenant, the new covenant is here. The new covenant changed what the temple was to what the church is today. What's the new covenant say the church is or the temple is today? It's us. We're the temple. We are that temple. So let me ask you this question today. What if, what if God has more for us as a church? Are you willing? Are you willing? I believe God's preparing something new for us. And, and I think there, there's seven words of a dying church, okay? And they are this. Well, we've never done that before. Seven words of a dying church. Well, we've never done that before. We're going to try it. We're going to give it. We're going to go for it, man. There are things we change as a church that we move forward. Some that we don't. There's some that are consistent. We're a spirit-filled church. We're practical. We're relevant. We're full. We're full of life. We're, we're fun. It's energetic. The focus is on the visitor and those that don't know Christ. We try to meet people where they're, where they're at because I think that's what God does. We try to make you know, a visitor feel welcome, not like a novelty. If you saw my post this morning on social media, there's always room for one more within this place. Always. There's going to be a message of hope, not bam, 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 bam over our head. There's going to be a casual atmosphere. You can be yourself here. We're going to have children's ministry during service for mom and dad if they want. And we're going to have free coffee and donuts every single Sunday. Some of you should say amen. Some of you, man, that's your breakfast buffet. I've seen it Sunday morning, okay? You, you more donuts than I've ever seen before. And uh, you can have mine. I'm, I don't think, I think I've had two donuts in the seven years we've been going as a church. But here is where I'm asking, right? Right? Isn't that crazy? And I've never once made coffee because you don't want me to. It'd be really bad. Those are consistent things that won't change. But here's where I'm asking you to see the bigger picture with me as the church. What if we, now stay with me, what if we were double our size? Think about that for a moment. We've had about 120 people, we had 123 people last Sunday. I don't know what we have today. So if we were 246, my, math would be, my, my wife would be impressed with that math. If we had 246 people next week, would you be okay with that? Not, not for us, for God, because every single one of those 123 people, it doesn't represent a group. It, did, it represents one individual life change with 123 of them happening. It's about life change. It's about the one. It's about the one that God wants to grab hold of like he's done to my heart, like he's done to so many of us within this church congregation. I don't want that to stop. I'm not a maintenance guy. We're not just gonna, well, let's just take care of those that have given their life to Christ. Yes, that's important and discipleship will happen. My heart's evangelistic, man, and we are after the person that will spend an eternity away from God if we don't do something about it. When God gives vision, he also gives provision, okay? When he gives us vision, he gives provision. And what I mean by that is we've taken a risk on Michaela. We've taken a risk on having an office manager. We've taken a risk on having an associate pastor. And, and so far, guys, our giving has never been higher as a church. And thank you. That's because of faithfulness. We have more people now per capita who tithe than we've ever had. That's, that's a miracle. That's people saying, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to do something new. I'm willing to take a, a crazy step of faith. So thank you. That's awesome. 
but we need to continue to be risk takers. We need to continue to go, God, what do you want us to do? And so we need to keep bringing the church to people, not expecting people to come to the church. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And so what I was reading is one of the top reasons, this is from Tom Rainer, one of the top reasons somebody doesn't attend church, number three, number three reason out of ten, number three reason somebody doesn't attend church is that people aren't friendly. Now I feel that we do a really good job with this. Just stay on focus, man. You know, if you see somebody, go say hi, you know? It's, there's, we don't have assigned seats in this church, you know? Hopefully, hopefully you don't have like your row. If you do, go to a new row next week. I don't know, okay? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.